Welcome to the Therapy Thoughts Podcast. This is Tiffany Rowe. I'm a clinical mental health counselor and psychology teacher in Utah, and I want to change the mental health game. The Therapy Thoughts Podcast is all about breaking down therapy-related topics and making mental health information easy to understand and super accessible. So join me for quick and direct educational episodes and some deeper dives with experts from around the world. Together, we are going to break down stigma. We're going to help each other make peace with mind, body, and food. We're going to make therapy cool and invest time in our mental health. Let's do it here, one therapy thought at a time. Hey, welcome to the Therapy Thoughts Podcast. Today, I am interviewing my good friend, Nina. She is a former school psychologist turned stay-at-home mom. She has four kids, 11 and under. She's an entrepreneur and parent educator. Nina focuses her life around making an impact in the world, whether it's through her health and charity company, at home with their kids, or in the lives of parents or caregivers seeking advice and support in their lives. She is passionate about raising a generation of adults and children that are more emotionally aware and adaptive to influence the world for the better. You can check her out on Instagram and uh, get all that info up in our show notes. Her Instagram is at allthingsnina, N-E-E-N-A, and you can check out our website at allthingsnina.com. Tune in and enjoy everything we chat about and stick around. You'll love it. All right, y'all. We have my girl, my friend Nina on the podcast. What's up, girl? Hey, Tiff. I'm so excited to be here. I sure love you. You're awesome. (laughs) We've been talking for like 15 minutes off air and I'm kind (laughs) of like, wait, we should probably start the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) That's way more fun to connect, right? Without yes. the pressure. <laughs> yes. You are just wonderful. You are someone I look up to and I admire and we really click. Like we we have a really cool connection. Yes. Yes. I think so too. We were meant to connect in this life for sure. Yay. Yay. Um, and, and we've wanted to record a podcast for a long time and there's so many like different topics we could talk about. So we're going to try to narrow it down for y'all. Um, but Nina is a wonderful, amazing woman doing great work in this world. So before we jump in, tell people where they can like follow you and find you. Yeah, I would love to have you guys connect with me on Instagram. That's the best place to connect all things, Nina, N E E N A. You can also run over to my website, allthingsnina.com, And you can learn a little bit more about my business, my background and connect with me there too. Always looking to connect with like-minded souls and all of that fun stuff. But yeah, Instagram is my jam. That's my place. It is your place. You have good people there and you do so many things. Why don't you, um, so for people that don't know, tell us your story. Who are you? What got you here? What's up? Yeah, for sure. So my background's in childhood mental health. I studied sociology, family life, and school psychology. And Got my educational specialist degree, which is basically in between a master's and a PhD working in that field, really focusing a lot on behavior management and emotional regulation, social emotional health for kids. Loved that space, had a ton of fun. I worked in the schools um, here in Utah, 
worked for the Utah Schools for the Deaf and the Blind, work, working a lot with the deaf community. That's someone, that's a group that I absolutely love. And um, I'm primarily in elementary schools and focused my thesis work in the bullying space. Again, could definitely go off on those areas. <laughs> There's so much to learn and to grow um, in the psychology field, but especially in the childhood psychology field where those little people are so impressionable and um, really enjoyed my work actually as a psychologist. But I started having some kids <laughs> that got a little complicated to try to figure out what my professional roles juggling motherhood looked like for us. And so for a season, my husband was full-time dad and I was, you know, just grinding and working as a psychologist and loved that space. And ultimately I decided based on what I wanted to create in my life that the next step would be to transition home and him go back to work. So we did that about, oh, almost 10 years ago now, which is crazy. And uh, had two little kids under two at the time. And that's really what thrust me into entrepreneurship and to really building, I think, just my own passion works outside of psychology. I've always really, really loved child psychology and being able to help empower parents as a parent coach and parent consultant in the behavior field specifically did a little bit of work on the side in that way, but ultimately just kind of focused into motherhood and did my own little entrepreneurship ventures over the next decade, did photography, hair and makeup artistry, loved that, um, worked as a voice teacher. I love to sing, which is so fun. And then about three years ago, launched uh, my online health and charity company, which is what I work on right now uh, with those cute two little kids I had before. And then I added two more into the crew. So <laughs> we have four kids now ages 11 down to four. So they're getting some autonomy, which is really fun. But really, it's just finding my place not only as a mother, but also as an entrepreneur and, and just as a person, you know, I think we get wrapped up so much in our roles and really forget what we love and what drives us and what fills our bucket that, uh, that we just we burn ourselves out. So I'm grateful that I've been able to find some passion work, some additional focuses that fit into my schema of motherhood and that my kids can see me going after that ambition. That's really important to me. Mm. Uh, but ultimately that's where we're at right now. And having a beautiful online space where I can share a bit of my parenting advice and tips in hair and makeup, which is also another passion for me. And yeah, of course, mental health always something that I think will sit close to my heart. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I have so many follow-ups sister. <laughs> um, and maybe I'm going to be jumping around here, but I'm taking notes. So every single freaking woman who sits on my therapy couch has the exact same struggle, regardless of the way we've structured our lives. So whether they're moms they're single, whether they're working moms, whether they're stay-at-home moms, whether they're moms with adult children who have left, whether they're infertile, like women struggle with this life balance and role balance. Yeah. And it seems there's this commonality among everyone that I work with and myself of where they're at isn't good enough and they feel guilt about um, their identity or their wants or their needs or how to do all these roles. And I mean, I would love to hear your thoughts on that insights on that tips for that. Absolutely. You know, I think this is a good process for anybody, whether you fall into the role that's surrounding relationships or not. Cause I think so many times we self identify in our relationships, which really 
is kind of a turbulent and vulnerable way to identify ourselves. I don't want to be known as a good mother because my kids behave well, right? Or a quote unquote good wife because my husband is pleased and happy in his marriage. That's garbage to me. <laughs> that's, that's super, ugh. It just it's just something that's really difficult to identify um, and really to feel like you're a creator in your own life. And so one of, one of the processes that I really like to walk people through and myself included, absolutely, is to just sit down and realize and write down, I should say, what it is that I value in my life. What is it that matters the very most to me? And I don't let it be defined by roles. It can't be because then if I'm constantly waiting on someone else to help me fill a role in a job or in a relationship, then I'm going to be what feels like out of control. So writing down those values, I think is a first step. And I have to revisit this because sometimes my values shift and change, mm -hmm. right? So for me, myself, and, and I'd love, you know, for your listeners to do this activity with us even, is to sit down and write the things that I value. If I were to sit with you and say, what do you really value in this life? Maybe you would say connection, <laughs> you know, um, freedom of choice, time freedom, financial freedom, um, feeling loved and seen and known. And those are like our core needs, right? Not just to, you know, uh, have food and <laughs> a roof over our head, but really mm -hmm. like, what do we need like emotionally really? And, um, and then once I define what it is that I value, then how do I match what I want to be or what I want to become to what I value? And when we can do that, then we can clearly identify key parts of ourselves that need pouring into they need time, they need attention, they need love. And so for me, when I, when I look at this, I try to do right around seven of, of descriptors of the kinds of person that I want to be or become. For me, it's someone who's divinely guided. I feel like my spirituality is a really big part of who I am, because I believe in an all knowledgeable God and an influence that helps to guide my life. And so I want that being present in every moment I can get it. For me, I also really enjoy having organization <laughs> in my physical space. I also want to be a teacher, an influencer, a mentor, someone that changes people's lives. Um, for me, it's also a patient and playful mother. Notice that my descriptors around that role were more about what I could control, mm -hmm. which is the kind of mother I am. <laughs> it, the role is what I fill, but who I am in that role is something I have control over. Um, I also want to be a connective and a loving partner. And I chose this word this year because I did not like the construct I had built around the word wife. <laughs> I just felt like it had all these weird connotations and baggage for me. And so for me, I wanted to feel like a partnership. For me, I also want to be healthy and fit. And I love that you've created such a beautiful community around this. And I think it's so important for us to understand what that means for us. For me, that also means someone that takes space for my emotional journey, because right now I'm dealing with some, you know, past experiences that need a bit more attention and they need a bit more love. And I need to be in my quote unquote healthy person. I need to provide adequate time and mm. space to just be okay with healing. That's a part of being healthy for me. And then for me also is being successful, again, self-determined identification here, <laughs> understanding of what those expectations mean under successful, quote unquote, right? A successful and progressive entrepreneur. And so when, when we figure out what it is that we value, and then we fuel that into what we want to become, 
then what I do is I take those constructs, those beliefs, those people that I want to become, and then I block out sections of my day to specifically pour into that value, into that personality characteristic trait that I want to develop. And I make sure every day I have a portion of my day devoted to every single one of those things so that I can lay my head down at night and say, I'm pouring into who I want to be. <laughs> I'm looking at developing my whole person. And even if it's five or 10 minutes into being, I, I don't know, like a, let's just say cleaning my house, <laughs> you know, that one usually ends up kind of at the bottom of the list. <laughs> um, but if I do that, if I, if I put even 10 to 15 minutes on that, I can, like I said, lay my head down at the end of the day and say, gosh, I am becoming who I want to become. I took a step into a more creative life, meaning a life that I decide that I'm not influenced or torn by because I feel obligated or for some reason the role has led me to it. I can instead say I chose this and even mundane, difficult tasks can still fall into categories of who you want to become. And then all of a sudden they're meaningful, right? We can value stack activities, um, you know, be, be playing with our kids while we're doing dishes. <laughs> or for me, sometimes I'm doing push-ups while I'm on a work call, you know, <laughs> it's like you can, <laughs> you, can, uh, you, can, you can do multiple things so that you're still uh, addressing all the diverse and beautifully diverse, I should say, areas of ourselves and be accomplishing what we want to accomplish in this world too. So I don't know, those, those are, that's usually where I start, especially if I'm feeling off kilter. It's like, man, what is my schedule looking like to reflect the kind of person I want to become and ultimately the life that has so much value to me? Because nobody really can define that for us. And when they do, we feel stress. We feel pressure. We feel inadequacies. You know, I had one of my therapists say to me once, and I feel like I want to like tattoo it. <laughs> it's like Face tattoo moment. <laughs> all negative emotion comes from missed expectations, right? And so how many self expectations do we pour on ourselves that we don't even identify? We're just like existing in this stigma and this schema around what we think we should be or what we shouldn't be. And then when our actions reflect those things or don't reflect those things, we have this heightened emotional response to it. And so I feel like this is in direct contrast to looking, hey, self, <laughs> what's your fair expectations for every day? You know, what does that look like for me to finish the day out and say, gosh, I gave it a good run. You know, I really poured into the areas that are most meaningful to me. And you can just feel, I think, significant less, significantly less stress and increase more, you know, more fulfillment there for sure. Gosh, I love this. I mean, the role of values and mental health is talked about a lot in living a value driven life, but you're dead serious. Like, no, hit all seven every day and make it part of your life and make this a commitment to self and betterment. And I think, what a cool goal. Like what a way to structure that, that I haven't really heard other people talk about. That's great. I just made it up. So <laughs> that makes yeah. me feel much more excited about it. I mean, I, I would just love for people to take this into their life and just not look at their schedule. Like, gosh, it's like running me, you know, but instead like look at this day and think, what do I need out of this day versus what does this day need from me? 
I just feel like that creates so much more intention with our lives. I love this. I talk quite a bit about my faith transition and I have people on the podcast talk about that and that's on my Instagram. And I want to know more about the first value. So maybe your most important or guiding value when you talked about being divinely led or your sense of spirituality, because I think it's important to acknowledge everyone on the spectrum, where they are, what they believe in the role of spirituality, not just speaking to my experience, which was a faith transition. So tell me more about that, how that plays a role in your life and, and guides you. Absolutely. And I love that you provide that space for people because it absolutely is an individual spectrum. And I do believe my personal construct around religion and more importantly, spirituality has served me. It's also evolved, you know, for a season, it looked very different than how it looks now. Uh, but yeah, I'd love to share what that looks like for me specifically right now. So I was raised uh, LDS, a, a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. It was my complete construct. It's a very conservative-based uh, religion, and it provided a lot of behavioral structures and schemas, you know, things we, we were recommended to do, things we were recommended not to do. <laughs> and I honestly, over, over the years, have really found my place really in, in the space of understanding for me what my relationship is with Jesus Christ and with my heavenly parents and their divine guidance to me and my decision-making in peace giving <laughs> more than anything mm. else. And uh, I'm, I'm really grateful for the construct of religion. And I believe it was incredibly needful in my personal experience towards spirituality and the development of spirituality. For me, in, in my current space as a 35-year-old woman uh, with four kids and, you know, complicated relationships and backgrounds and experiences, to me, the religious structure was a path. It was a way for me to understand the Spirit, how the Spirit of God could come into my mind, into my heart, and provide direction. And it was an opportunity for me to feel like the noise of the world was silenced a bit more. Again, just coming from my own personal experience in building those habits around daily prayer and scripture study, attending church, having church-related topics, and more importantly, gospel-related topics, because I think sometimes we mix those things up, <laughs> what the church teaches and what the gospel teaches should be in alignment, but sometimes we have cultural uh, influences that come mm -hmm, into any mm -hmm. sort of religious structure. And I don't know that I can speak to all of those depending on which area you're in. Mm -hmm. uh, but again, I would always encourage people to, to decide for themselves what they want to believe as far as those sides are concerned. But for me, more than anything, having a religious structure was a vehicle for me understanding my spiritual self and developing a relationship with Jesus Christ and my heavenly parents and I'm grateful so much for that because it gave me an opportunity to build habits that would invite the spirit of revelation and understanding, connection, um, even an opportunity to engage with individuals beyond the veil. And I believe they have positively influenced my life a lot over the years and really opened up my heart to understanding parts of myself that are divine. 
meaning they do not exist in a physical space, but go beyond this life before and after. So for me, the religious construct has been an opportunity to build habits towards developing and understanding my spiritual self. Now in my life, I also take advantage of the, the power that I feel from making promises with God to, you know, really, I don't even know how to say this well, <laughs> make to really make promises, make promises with God so that I can have access to additional support and power in my life that comes from agreeing with him to uphold certain standards that I believe will give me access to additional enlightenment and understanding and even in some cases blessings mm -hmm. and I don't believe that any of those are meant to be withheld from anyone in this earth and so I'll have to understand that later for myself about that but I in the meantime I'm grateful I'm grateful for those promises and for the opportunity that I have to take advantage of the additional blessings that I feel come from them and ultimately draw me closer to that God and to feel like I'm doing what I'm meant to do in this world and so for me, that's really the, the purpose that I feel religion has served in my life is helping me to come to a place where I actively communicate with my higher power, where I feel a sense of enlightenment, understanding, revelation in my actions, in what I can understand about myself. Uh, a lot of grace comes through that, <laughs> I believe. And I do seek it out for peace. Absolutely. And, and direction and helping me know how to relate better to my children, to my partner, to individuals that I meet, wherever I may be at. I believe that that is a key part of being divinely guided. And for me, a really big part of who I want to be and become mm. as someone who's, who lives in that space. I'm hearing this connect to so many of like the other values you listed, like connection not just to a higher power, but that bleeds into like your kids and your relationships and your partner, peace, the sense of inner peace, organization. It's, it's a powerful kind of umbrella for all the other values you had mentioned. Mm -hmm. And you're a passionate person. You care about passion work. It sounds like there's passion in this relationship as well and identity as well. And I think that that's, that's a beautiful thing. Thanks for sharing that. I know it can be vulnerable to speak to your beliefs and sacredly held beliefs at that. Well, thank you. I think, I think it's really good when we share those kinds of parts of ourself because there are so many people out there that relate to it and maybe sometimes aren't able to put it in an understandable or, or cohesive way. And so hearing it from someone else's perspective can sometimes be like, ah, oh, yes, I can relate to that. So hopefully you've got some listeners that can relate to my experience. <laughs> I think absolutely. There. Yeah, absolutely. And even you talking about like how it shifted and evolved and moved you down a path. I mean, isn't that what faith is all about and development? I mean, you've looked at childhood psychology. We know that faith evolves and changes. And I think permission for that to look how it looks for you, permission for that to say you remain religious, you believe in a higher power, you have identity within that. I think people get really confused about that, right? Like, how do I explore my spirituality or faith or transition in my beliefs? Does that mean, you know, I can't have a belief in God anymore? So thank you for giving that permission and example of you absolutely can. And it can be whatever it is for you. Yeah, definitely. I agree. 
You also mentioned health and fitness, but really quickly tied that into mental health and mental wellness, which I love because they're one and the same. Health and health. Mental Mm -hmm. health is important and that's connected. And you had spoken about, you know, your experiences a little bit with mental health. I'm curious about how that's formed you, how, how mental health plays a role in your life and what got you interested in that. Yeah, I mean, how do I say something that sits so close to my heart? I think mental health is everything in my life. If we don't have that feeling of peace within our own mind, where are we going to find peace? So for me, mental health is so key in not only managing relationships, feeling like we can exist in this world, but for me, I think the ever-present development has been being okay in my own head. (laughs) Mm. And every single day needs to be at the forefront of focus of where's my head today and and being okay with some days where I realize my emotions are really heightened. I've got a really short fuse and I've got to be okay with that. Or I need to find coping strategies to help me move through that space effectively without doing damage to the people in my life that I love and care about also including myself in that. And I think over the last few years, uh, navigating this space, really trying to balance these existing, I don't even know how to describe this, really balancing this self expectation regarding being an effective emotion manager Mm. (laughs) as a mental health professional, it can be a really weird road because then you're balancing shame too when you experience negative emotions or a lack of resiliency when you have negative emotions. It's like, man, I should know better. I shouldn't stay in this space. Why am I having a depressive swing? And for me, it's practicing so much grace. Mm. And I love that you that you um, really teach and preach about mindfulness. That's changed so much about my life. And just pausing for a minute and saying like, wow, that's a really unexpected emotional response from that experience. Let's let's just take a step back here and figure out what was the trigger. And I'll just be honest, it does take time. And it oftentimes gets worse before it gets better. Mm. So I'm in the throes of that right now. I think so many of us dealing with all this experience that 2020 has brought about, it feels hard already. And then to add in our, I think, non-judgmental view of self going through negative emotions, it's really tricky to not judge. It's really tricky to not be self-critical. And I absolutely exist in that space. And that's why it has to be a deliberate part of my day. I wake up every single morning and I roll over uh, before I ever (laughs) hit the floor. And I I pull up voice memos on my phone where I have recorded myself saying affirmations around these individuals that I want to create for myself, these individual portions of myself. And I just, you know, have have adapted them over the years and, and play different ones depending on what I need. But that's the first voice I hear every day. I don't look at my notifications on my phone. I don't even let my kids wake me up. I make sure that I'm the first voice that I hear. And I want to control what is going on in my head, at least a little bit, right? First thing in the morning. And those words have to be encouraging. They really do. There's so many negative cycling belief structures that we've likely held from our childhood and probably reconstruct as we perceive adults experiences in our life as well. And so for me, I've got to be proactive right as the day begins. I got to tell myself, you got this sister. (laughs) You may have a lot of interesting things come across your, 
your plate today, but you've totally got this. And that's been a huge part of managing my mental health. And I know that when I don't have those built into my routine, then my day starts out in a whirl, you know, and just Mm. kind of perpetuates until I can sit down and refocus. (laughs) And I don't want to have to do that every day. I'd like to start it with intention. Now, it doesn't mean that the whole day goes seamlessly and all day I've got these beautiful running thoughts in my head like, Nina, you're a rock star. No, (laughs) that doesn't happen either. (laughs) But it certainly does uh, train my brain so that when it has a negative thought, the opposite pops up. Mm -hmm. It says, oh, no, no, no. You've been telling me every morning and every night that the opposite is true. And it's an opportunity, I think, really to combat those negative belief structures that may be hiding or may just rear its ugly head unexpectedly. We didn't know it was there and and really be deliberate about what it is that I want to tell myself. And man, that has helped so much, I think, in so many areas of my life, just to make sure I'm my biggest advocate. I'm my biggest cheerleader. And so I can catch myself in those moments when I'm not really cheering myself on. I'm not being very cool. I love your phrase, right? Like I'm being a butthole to myself. <laughs> Just say like, hey, that's not cool. You can't do that to my friend Nina, you know, and come to my own rescue. Because I think if we're always seeking additional validation for things that are running in our head, one, they won't ever know what those are from those other individuals in our life that we're seeking that validation from. But two, it's not really going to feel as meaningful because we're always going to be chasing somebody else's belief structure around us. And man, doesn't that take the power right out of our identity? And I can't, I can't put that in somebody else's hands, Tiff. I can't. (laughs) It makes it too vulnerable. Yeah. You are, you are preaching right now. And what you are (laughs) preaching is like a serious yeah, I'm getting preached. I'm feeling the preach vibe and I like it. And I can hardly express myself because you're blowing me away. You're saying things people don't say. <laughs> I, I, What I'm trying to say right now is what you are preaching, I am picking it up. What you're putting down, I'm eating it up. And I like that you are preaching intention. That's what I'm trying to say. Yes. You're preaching intention. intentional living and mindset and you actually walk the walk and you have a plan for doing that, which I, I fail at on a consistent basis. Like I have no plan or routine around what I preach. Just kind of haphazardly do it once I'm burnt out and I have to, whereas you're talking about <laughs> like structure, routine, waking up, you know what to do. You have this plan and you're doing it because it's driven by your values. And I'm like, wait, duh. Like, why didn't I think of that? Nope. That's super nice. Honestly, I, I had, again, a mentor tell me, you know, you're only as successful as your habits, you know, cause we can have a bunch of belief structures and mindset and, and we can even have a plan, but when we don't create a life where we can implement those plans and those mindsets, then it's just going to be a hope. It's not really going to be any sort of manifestation or anything that's going to come to life and be created in our space. And so I don't know if I'm good at that, but I can create habits. <laughs> I can follow directions, even if, even if it's for my own self, you know, and I think that's really, it has come at some point out of desperation, but it's also come out of vision mm. and really realizing that where I have been, is not where I always want to be. And if I'm always looking out for the future, then there has to be an element of evolve. What I had been doing needs to either stay in my life because it's perpetuating a life that I want to create, or I've got to shift and create new habits 
centered around the kind of person I want to become. And I think that's always an ebb and flow. And for me, it's like 25% keep with what I've got and 75% create something new Mm. that's closer to what I value and Mm -hmm. want for my future self. Mm. How are you navigating emotional regulation with 2020? I mean, we're talking about mental health right now and trying to be intentional and start your day right. What's it look like on a day-to-day basis? <laughs> I just, I can just laugh at that one. Um, you know what? Just first and foremost, to anybody that's listening to this, just know that you're doing a really stand-up job. If you are surviving every day, great job. Because I know that it is a tough gig. We're going to look back at 2020 and either say that was the year that crushed me or that was the year that I rose. You know, that was the year that things changed for me. And I was in my little cocoon and I came out of it as a butterfly, you know, like the transformational process for even thinking about a a caterpillar to a butterfly, it has to completely decompose. It goes to liquid form in order to become something different when it emerges from that cocoon. And that's what I felt like 2020 was sending me a message when we (laughs) got (laughs) put into quarantine. I'm a very social person. That's been the hardest hit for me personally. Mm is that I have to find new ways to connect and not just artificially connect, but for me, faces are so key. So getting on FaceTime, getting on Zoom with people, um, doing what I can, even if it's across the street and, and hollering at a neighbor, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. Um, for my little people, you know, I'm so grateful that I have a partner and, and kids in my house because, man, I just look those babies in the eye and hug them and just feel their heartbeat. Um For me, I'm not going to say that I do have a a super specific plan on 2020, but emotional regulation has been a challenge. It has been a challenge. And and I think some of the other habits that have been in place have put me at an opportunity to really objectively look at those emotional experiences and say, wow, this is tough. You're doing the best you can and really giving myself extra grace. Um, I really, I think many of us have, have leaned on to, some of those negative habits that we maybe had in numbing out. And I've been trying to catch myself in the, in those things just to make sure that my connection is authentic and is going to be purposeful in filling up my cup for me, you know, the emotional regulation side (laughs) has also included a lot of apologizing. Can I just say that Mm. I had a a dinner with my family, my kids and and my husband. And I just said, you know what, I, I need to apologize my emotional regulation has been crap for about a week. (laughs) I just was straight up with them. And I always encourage my parents to be very open with your kids when you're having difficult emotional experiences. And obviously within the filter that we don't scare the kids and we share the positive approach to it. But I just said, listen, I, I really am sorry for how I've been in my patience, in my overall demeanor, in even my words. And there's not much else to say besides I really misstepped and I love you and I'm going to be dedicated to being a better person and, and a family member here because I really want to be, and I'm sorry that I treated you that way. And so for me, (laughs) it's giving grace, communicating to the people I love and care about when I fall short. And then also giving myself, you know, the opportunity to apologize to myself and, Mm -hmm. And then decide what it is that I want to do moving forward. And when I find myself in a similar situation where, man, I blew up or 
or really lost it, I can say, oh, I've seen you before. <laughs> I've seen this situation before. I know how to not handle you. And now yes. I'm going to choose to handle you a little bit better. So yes. I don't know if I really answered that question super well, but I'll just say, you know, the time to stock your tool belt is not when you're in the middle of a project, not mm. when you're demoing a wall or building a house. you got to keep that tool belt really stocked before you need to use it. And I think for many of us, we're realizing that those tool belts are a little sparse. Mm -hmm. So I think every day just seeing what is it that fills me up? What is it that's going to help and, and pour into that every day, whether that's meditation for me, I love a good bath, you know, uh, yoga is also very healing for me. I also love a really good laugh Tiff, That was one thing that breaks the, the, the stress cycle for me is just chuckling at dumb humor, you know, um, yes. <laughs> and that's, that's okay too. And, and, you know, face-to-face -face connections. So I know for some individuals that's going to look very different, but knowing yourself, I think is the greatest thing that we can learn in 2020. What is it that I need and how can I give that to myself? How can I quit searching around and really realize that the answers to peace and self-regulation and understanding and, and, and joy and fulfillment is going to exist in ourselves, in our own space. I hope everyone listening to this podcast just took a deep sigh of like, okay, cool. I'm not the only one. And I'm right. really, I'm really glad you didn't just like tell us how to be perfect. I'm really glad you <laughs> kept it real. And we're like, yeah, I say sorry a lot. And like, yeah, I lose it. Or like, yeah, I don't speak kindly. Or yeah, this, I get dysregulated because so do I. And no one's exempt from this dysregulation. I think we are in a global state of trauma. Everyone's dysregulated. We are in a chronic fight, flight, or freeze battle. And me and Nina are here on this podcast trying to keep it real, saying like, yes, that's what happens <laughs> right. in a global pandemic, in an election year, in quarantine, with civil unrest and racism, like... Uh, rampant and we are in this together and no one is perfectly navigating this. So if you're getting a little dysregulated, I'd be like, yeah, that's because you're not a you're robot. You're a human. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Thanks for keeping it real because I think that's one way we can connect is being like, hey, are you handling this very well? No, me neither. And that's right. kind of the best support we can get. Like this is really <laughs> tough. Seriously. Seriously. And man, shared experiences can lift the burden for so many individuals. There's a lot that's pushing us to isolation and loneliness. Even those that don't have a tendency toward it, even those that would be self-identify as introverts, it's tough. It's tough. And when we can just reach out and say, hey, I'm having a hard time. I'd, I'd love to just have you listen, you know, no advice, expectation on the table, but just, just be a pal right now. And that's not weak. That's not you. I think that so many people hold this around, even around therapy, right? You have to be at a breaking point before you are qualified to ask people for support. And that's just junk. That's a garbage stigma and, and, and belief and schema. And that's not what people are meant to do. I think if that was the case, we would live on an earth by ourselves. <laughs> we could just figure things out on our own. Yeah. We're meant to be a collective humanity, to share our experiences, to buoy people up. Perhaps what you're going through, that challenging experience in a shared, you know, future experience is going to be what keeps someone's hope alive. Mm -hmm. 
And we can't underestimate that. It gives that pain a bit more purpose, but it also drives us to share more and to lower that expectation that we have to come off as perfect in whatever capacity it is that we hold that structure that we need to be perfect and just open up to each other. There's so many of us that are seeking that and needing that and can be fulfilled and built up by it. Yeah. You're giving so many great actionable tips and items. I'm wondering if you got anything in your kids tool belt, if people got teens or kids at home, how we can support them in behavior management or routine or, or mental health tools. If you got a couple things. Yeah, absolutely. I think the biggest piece of advice I would give to parents out there is to develop a relationship of trust. That's going to cover a lot of lack of education and knowing what to say, what to do, even from little toddlers all the way up until, you know, you've got adult children, is if that you have established a clear relationship of trust where they can come to you and say, I'm going through something or I'm elated about this, both ends of the spectrum. And you can come and say, that's rad, you know, or I'm really, I'm really sorry. That's super tough. And without any sort of expectation to be an educator or a behavior correctional, you know, I don't know, someone who corrects behavior, (laughs) but just, just as a person that they can know and feel known by, that's going to deal with a lot of, of problems. You know, I am always mindful in situations like this about our children and our teens that are in extreme emotional distress and they don't feel like they have an outlet of expressing that. And honestly, many of them, just because of being a child or a teen, don't have the skills to know how to communicate it anyway. But I believe if we exist together in a space where they feel like, I don't, I don't know what I'm feeling, but let me tell you what it kind of feels like, then we're going to be able to diffuse a lot of those mm. serious and negative long-term effects that come from from those, that emotional distress. So that's typically what I would do. And, and it's super cliche, right? But love with kids is spelled T-I-M-E, always. <laughs> if they don't feel like they have your time and your attention in that time, then they're going to feel unloved, especially little kids. They seek, thrive off of, crave attention from their parents and their caregivers. And when we can just put the dang phone away, I I like to crouch down or sit on the floor. So we're just eye to eye. That is going to fill them up more than anything else. And I will just tell you, if you're seeing behavioral bursts, if you're seeing emotional dysregulation, most of the time we can fix it, quote unquote, with just a little bit of positive attention, Mm. just a bit. And you know, for those that want to go a little step further, then I would really encourage you to utilize the educational tools that we have available. There's so much on the internet. (laughs) You could literally go to school of YouTube and learn anything you want and just get a feel for what developmentally is going on with your kids. I think that is so empowering for many parents because then they can see problematic behaviors like hitting and tantrums in toddlers as normal and less about creating a deviant cycle <laughs> in their, you know, in their teenager, or even looking at a pre-adolescent and their silence and their fixation on technology and on relationships, you know, peer relationships as instead, uh, you know, again, problematic, but very normal. 
So I think that's, that's the other empowerment tool that I love to give parents is figure out how you can connect with your kids. Even if you're not good at connecting, generally speaking, spending time with them, you're going to learn a bit about how they communicate. There's so many beautiful resources out there to help you know how to communicate better. And gosh, how great is it that we can practice that grace with ourselves and with our children and say, thank you for understanding while I'm trying to figure out how to communicate well with you. (laughs) I've certainly had that conversation with my kids as well. And then, yeah, again, going back and finding some developmental resources and understanding so that you can sit in that parenting space and not feel like you're being a failure if your kid is or is not acting in a certain way. It may be incredibly developmentally appropriate and you may be having all these little red flags and freak out moments when you just don't need to. I think for the most part, parents that are very concerned about their parenting and want to grow and be better and experience that guilt and that shame, I tell them, you care so much, you're likely doing a great job. <laughs> so mm-hmm. just give yourself give yourself a bit of a pat on the back. And then, of course, you know, dedicate yourself to a way of learning more and being more for those kids. Uh, but most of the time, they're just going to love you the way that you are if you're being genuine and, and doing your best to listen and connect and provide a, a, a good, emotionally healthy relationship for them to exist in. That's a really great foundational principle for all parenting, I think. Oh, everything you say, I'm inspired to action. Like I want to go crouch down and spend time with Minnie Rowe and mm. race cars with him right now. Thank you for action items, this whole podcast. I mean, if folks are taking notes, we have a lot of things we can do. And I love, I love the ground we've been able to cover. And it's kind of blowing my mind what we didn't even like get to touch on. There's so much more we can say. <laughs> We'll we'll have to talk again, Tiff. That's the that's the plan, right? So we can get some more goodies out the, on the table. That'd be so fun. Yes, the Nina Tiffany show. We have <laughs> lots to say, fam. Thanks for coming on here. Thank you so much for having me. Honestly, I'm I'm honored to be a part of this space. I just love what you've created, and I love the crew that's showing up mindfully in their mental health game and wanting to make the world a better place. I do genuinely believe that this wave of individuals that have a consciousness and intention in their life are going to set the standard for the whole world to change. Mm -hmm. We're going to raise a generation of individuals that are emotionally more regulated and present more than anything else are being mindful of diverse backgrounds and experiences and learning to love in deeper and expansive ways. I think that the group that you have collected here are the future <laughs> of the best world that we could imagine. And so I'm, I'm honestly just humbled and grateful to be here and, and so excited that I get to share a bit of my story to help influence those individuals. You're rad. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Uh, we are going to drop your handle and website in the show notes so y'all can go connect with my gal and learn more about what she's doing and her expertise. So check that out. And until next time, everybody, may you be well. Thanks for listening to the Therapy Thoughts podcast. But remember, this podcast is not therapy. This is for general informational purposes only. 
The information on this podcast is not intended to diagnose or treat any condition, illness, or disease. This also isn't intended to be financial, legal, medical, or therapeutic advice. Make sure you're always working with your own personal licensed mental health counselor. May you be well. I appreciate you tuning in and supporting the Therapy Thoughts podcast. If you want to dive deeper into intuitive eating and body image and self-love, head over to tiffanyrow.com. It's the hub of all of my courses, the podcast, my merch, and information about doing counseling and coaching with me. I hope you guys stick around for more. We have lots of exciting interviews and thought leaders coming onto the podcast. So until next time, may you be well.